What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 85, a Monday rundown of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This podcast is brought to you by SorrySports.com. Check out the website. We have a lot of new articles running, some NHL, some NFL, some NBA, some NCAA basketball. We got it all for you. So this week, we jumped right in. We talked about the NBA playoffs. Um, After that, we went up and down the Eastern and Western Conference. Following that, we talked about the Yankees and their injury debacle, went around baseball a little bit there. Following that, we talked St. John's basketball for about two seconds with their new hire. And then after that, we did our second annual episode of Thrones Porn. So we'll be back next week with that. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Shoot us an email at Sorry Sports at Yahoo if you have anything to say or if you want to write us an article. And check out the website as per usual, SorrySports.com, and enjoy the pod. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. We're here for our Monday Rundown. Hope everybody enjoyed the NFL Draft Preview. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen or head over to SorrySports.com to read the articles, they're up. Uh, That was so much fun, man. Tom, how are you? Hey man, what's going on? I hope your Easter Sunday or Passover, whatever you celebrate, was good. I know you got to relax and do nothing. It was nice. It was a good thing. Yeah, it was quiet. Um... Ah, uh, that article blew me. I'm that those articles and that podcast period just blew me away. Me and you didn't talk much, and I even said to Mike on the phone before that I expect you to drive the bus. I don't really expect to talk much like I do on the usual pods. I was just blown away, dude. That guy, man, he's he's a junkie. He's just, a genius. Just put him right up there with McShay and Kuiper, honestly. Oh my god, I mean, it's not even a joke when you say that shit. The in-depth no. analysis that he had was crazy, and what I took away with it was I'm okay if the Jets don't trade number three. I really am. I mean, you're looking he at. He had a, me convinced. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a chance now where you could take the best player available, and that could be your edge pass rusher. There's, and the reason that we're just starting off with this is there's reports today that surfaced on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network where the Jets have been given two scenarios so far for that number three pick. One was Jalen Ramsey straight up for the number three pick that would give the Jets a legitimately great corner, something that they don't have right now. Now he's chatty and he's a little bit of an irritant, but he's a tremendous player. I don't know. Although, you know, I'm not a, I'm not his biggest fan, but I know that he's a tremendous player. I'd rather um, the edge rusher out of Kentucky, to be honest. Yeah. Josh Allen's probably going to be there at three. It would be cheaper, younger. Yep. And, he's, and he fills a role. Uh, he fills a hole that you guys have had vacant yeah. for a long and time. Both, both positions are at a premium in the NFL right now. A shutdown corner and an edge rusher. You, I mean, that's in your formula to winning a Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. For, oh yeah. No Quarterback, doubt. edge rusher, good offensive line, and and a, and a good D back. And you know, both would fill that void. But I think I'd rather Allen. Yeah. The other one was getting that edge rusher in Frank Clark from the Seattle Seahawks uh, and their first round pick. Um, in exchange for the number three. I'm fine with that. That one, I don't know. You're going to have to pay Frank Clark a lot of money. Well, you got the cap space, my friend. I know, but that's a lot of money. Why don't you just take, like you said, take the cheaper option, draft that, that top pass rusher at three. Now, he's not proven commodity like Clark, but you got to imagine, especially based off everything that Frenchie was talking about, these are can't-miss prospects at the top of this draft. Yeah, and then maybe you can go out and get a guy like Sue, kind of beef up your interior a little yeah, bit Yeah, he's more. still around. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for the Giants sake it sounds more and more like they're gonna lean 
the best player available at six, which is there, which is, uh, you know, there was a Bleacher Report article that surfaced today saying that Dave Gettleman is crazed about taking a top pass rusher at six. Giants history has always shown that when they win, it's because they have an elite pass rush. And that's something that they haven't really had. I know Olivier Vernon was a pro bowler last year, but he just did not fill that void um, nearly to the to the extent that I think a lot of Giants fans thought he would when he came over as a free agent in 2016. He was productive, but obviously nothing close to what JPP was. Um, obviously, he's been shipped out to Tampa Bay. And then, of course, you had your OCU Manure, Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck teams that won Super Bowls. So the Giants taking a pass rusher at six, if you're looking at somebody like a Josh Allen, if he's available there, or Quentin Williams, if he's available there, Bosa's for sure going to be gone. Um, maybe even taking a Rashawn Gary, somebody like that. If the, Even if they go Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU, I wouldn't hate that. The only I think gripe the only... I have with, with his draft for the Jets is I would like a little more in the skill positions in the earlier well, round. Well, he had the two receivers but going. they were late, and those guys could get cut. They're, they're, they were late. They were fifth and sixth round picks, which you never know. But I would like somebody with a little more... Um, I guess sureness or yeah. or something like that. I think the tough thing is though is that you know I you did like the tight end. Yep. So you you bring in a Le'Veon Bell who serves as a multi-purpose guy, obviously a running back, but very good on the outside and has played some receiver in his days in Pittsburgh. You got Jamison Crowder who's a very serviceable wide receiver. You still have Curse. You still have Robbie Anderson as your deep threat. I think that there's more holes. Yep, I think there's a lot more holes that the Jets need to fill. You're probably right on defense and and then beefing up that offensive line. I mean, I think the best thing that you took from his mock draft on the Jets is that they are doing a lot, with maybe the exception of their first pick, which is probably all but likely going on the defensive side of the ball. Almost everything else, at least the way Frenchie saw it, was to protect and take care of Sam Darnold. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I mean, first round. I don't really want to reach for the guy out of Alabama when you have a guy who can completely change your defense and, and Josh Allen out there. Yep. So I, I kind of understand that pick, but aside from that, I think you go offense the rest of the way. Yeah, it seemed to be that way based off of his predictions anyway, offensive line and then taking this care of the skills positions because we see it every year, dude. I mean, there's wide receivers that go in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds and these guys turn out to be legitimate players. We see the same thing at running back. We don't really see it too much on defense and we don't see it too much on offensive line. Those guys or the real good ones are generally first round or second round picks. As for the Giants, if they do go defense, I don't hate it. It's going to be simply due to the fact of where do they see... I think they're clearly going to take a quarterback. I just don't know when, but I think it's going to be early. I just don't think it's going to be with their first pick. And them, like the Jets, have a lot of holes to fill. So when you have a top six pick... Use that on the best player. There's a lot of holes to fill. Where do you want to go? You want top pass rusher. As I mentioned, the Giants historically have been great with great pass rush. They need to address their linebackers. Devin White would help there. Uh, offensive line, if they go Jawan Taylor, I wouldn't hate that. Beef so up what the right saying side. is the Giants just have a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes. But you know what? But they have I a lot of draft Taking Eli's heir apparent is very important. But again... If they don't see Haskins as that fit, if they don't see Murray, if he's there, now we're hearing rumblings out of Arizona that they're not going to take him. I mean, who knows? At, at this point, they're just blowing smoke out of their ass or they're serious. 
that first pick doesn't really matter to me. Remember last year, it wasn't until two days before the draft that everybody started to realize that the Browns were going to take Baker number one. For Up until then, it seemed like it was going to be Darnold one to Cleveland, Rosen two to the Giants, whoever, whether it be Baker or Josh Allen, the quarterback to the Jets, and then Saquon four to the, to the Browns. That obviously is not how it played out for a lot of those scenarios, but all indications are right now that I mean, the, the draft guys are sticking to their story that that um, what's, Kyler. Kyler's going to go number one. But it, if not, and that's Bosa, and then the question really is, does Oakland reach for him at four? Does another team trade up to six or five? There, There's going to be a lot of opportunity we'll for mobility there. When we get there. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot. It's three days away, but yeah, again, credit to Frenchie for coming on. Frenchie that was so did a fun. great job. Thank you to him. Thank you to Phillips for writing that, uh, that hockey article. It's been doing really well on the website as well. Maybe throwing up another, um, I think he has a basketball article or something like that. He texted me about my, that might be coming soon. Again, Frenchie's full mock draft that he went over on the two hour extravaganza pod will be up before the draft. And then I'm looking forward to having him back on right after the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Give his reactions. Things. So with that now behind us, let's head into our Monday rundown that we have lined up, and we're going to start in the NBA playoffs. Why not? Let's go by conference. I think that's a little easier to do. We're going to take care of the East first. There's a series that wrapped up yesterday, and let me tell you, man, God damn, was I wrong on this one. I said this was going to go seven because Boston just didn't seem like they cared. They were a weird team. And I went backwards and said five. And they swept Indiana, and it was never close. Now, I will tell you this. I think this was more of a the Pacers didn't have a go-to guy, period. Um, the fact that you're going to Wes Matthews or Tyreek Evans, I think this was more bad Pacers than it was good Celtics. And they have to play the Bucks in the next round. Yeah, so. I think it was bad Pacers, but generally you don't Nothing get... to shake a stick at when it comes to a sweep, though. No, I was just going to say it was bad Pacers, but I even bad Pacers doesn't always result in a sweep. That was also really good Boston. Kyrie came out. It seemed like he was super engaged the whole time. Tatum had a couple moments. And how about Hayward? Hayward, Hayward had a couple opportunities great. to show vintage Hayward, and he absolutely capitalized on those opportunities. And you could see, I mean, especially once the Celtics took that 2-0 lead, there was significant obvious play calling that was given by Brad Stevens to get Gordon Hayward as the focal point of the offense at points in the games in which he did. And Kyrie Kyrie was more than good with it. He's like, take over here. Tatum seemed to be good with it. Brown seemed to be good with it. That team was clicking on all cylinders. They know they need him. And and listen, maybe I was right like 10 months ago. Maybe, maybe they got their shit together. Maybe, maybe you're finally right. The next series we're going to head to as Boston is uh, the first Eastern team to be done. The Bucks are probably going to take care of that tonight. They're up 3-0 on the Pistons, who show Pistons absolutely no, who Blake show absolutely no fight. Yeah, I mean Drummond looks like he would have been really good in 1997. Yep. I, I don't when know. are we done with Andre Drummond? Are we done with him now? I, I, I've been done with him for a while. Yeah. Just the amount of money you have to pay him. If you're if you're paying him mid-level money and not paying him a max contract, I think he's a really good asset to the team. I think he can be a Rudy Gobert-like player, but. When you expect him to carry that kind of money with the offensive load and whatnot, he's not going to do that. He shoots 50% from the free throw line. Yeah. And all of his points are off dunks. He's a finished product and has been for a bit. It's a shame. And you know what the problem is, though, is that some team, even if it's not Detroit, will look at his stats and his skill set and they'll give him max money. 
because he already has max money yeah, from Detroit. Well, that's what I mean though. Is like he if you took him off Detroit, you know, some team, some terrible team somewhere, and there's plenty of those in the NBA would give him that money. But yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks. This is a series that we both predicted to be a sweep, as Colin Cowherd said on his show. I wouldn't watch the series if it was played in my backyard, and uh, we pretty much echoed those sentiments. The Raptors last night took a three-one lead on Orlando. I gotta say this: Orlando puts up some fight. They're, they're not a, a very, team. they're not my, a good team uh, compared to your Orlando Magic. They, they're not a good team compared to the Raptors. But I don't know how a team with Vucevic. Aaron Gordon, who can get really hot at times, but is still somewhat of a suspect player, and DJ Augustine keep the games this close for I don't know, as man. long as they do. I will do. tell you what, though. The thing I'm taking out of this series from the Magic side is Jonathan Isaac's going to be a really good player for a really long time. Yeah, he's good. He's long. He's got center's length, but he plays like a small forward. He can shoot it. He can dribble. He's a very good player and an excellent defender. He is, and, and you know what? I think that they're... Aaron they're, Gordon's fun. He's going to yeah. get a max from somebody at some point that he doesn't deserve, but... They're an exciting team. They have some nice pieces, and, and again, credit to Steve Clifford for having that team. They Listen, they won game one on the road. That's hard to do mm-hmm. against a, a far superior team. We expect the Raptors to close that one out. They have game five at home. Um, I don't think that game will be close. Uh, and then we have the 76ers who... Boy, was that a gut punch of a loss to my Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. So we finished up recording the pod. I missed the first, basically the first half of that game. Got back, and the Nets were leading for three till three minutes left in the game, and then they were back and forth, back and forth before just a stupid ricocheted pass to Mike Scott for the in the corner for three, killed the Nets' hopes. Listen, man. That game had so many different layers, so let's pull this back. First of all, the 76ers are up 3-1 after that nice Game 1 win. The Nets got trounced in Game 2, met the same fate in Game 3 when the Sixers didn't play Joel Embiid. He was listed as doubtful for Game 4, but played, and you just can't stop him. At least when he plays like that, and the Nets certainly don't have the personnel to stop him. Jared Allen's not going to stop him. Jared Allen's not going to stop him. big boy in there. Ed Davis was out in Game 4 with an ankle sprain. And, you know, they tried to go small with Hollis Jefferson, try to double-team him with uh, Kuroks. It just clearly was not going to work Dudley out. Dudley was playing him. Dudley was playing him. So They let's also get in, got into it. So let's get into that. So in the third quarter, obviously remember from game two when Embiid was called for a flagrant one for elbowing Jared Allen, and just it was a cheap shot. It was a, it was a legitimate cheap shot. And... You know, he was on the podium post game, and it was a game that the 76ers just embarrassed the Nets, ran him off the floor, and basically laughed at it. And I, I like Embiid for a lot of reasons. He's fun, he's, he's organic, he's just a weird guy, but he's a funny guy. But that was a dick move. That was a dick move. And it's not just because it was, you know, I root for the Nets. That's a dick move to do to anybody. You know, especially a guy who you know is inferior. He's playing in his first playoff series. He's trying to make a name for himself. And you just bitch him like that and then make fun of it for forcing him out of the game and, and, you know, giving him a bloody nose and all that shit. So that on the ref should have been much more in tune with, listen, this guy's just throwing him around like a rag doll and doing some obviously some shady shit on the court. Like those are things that are not, those aren't basketball plays. So in game four, Jared Allen on a breakaway is going for a dunk and Embiid just clotheslines him. Now, when you see the replay, 
he got a lot of ball. It was a foul. I don't think it was a flagrant two, but I could see it being a flagrant one. And Dudley, but in real time, it looked bad because Allen went down hard. And obviously, you've had the back and forth between Jared Dudley, who's a seasoned veteran and has been in this league and knows the league. And then you got Ben Simmons, who's an up-and-coming star, already is a star in this league, looking to really cement himself in playoff lore, now being his second full season and playing in the postseason for the second time on a team that's expected to go pretty far. And Dudley goes right into Embiid and shoves him. And then an entire shoving match takes place underneath the basket and Russell's breaking guys up. Jimmy Butler then goes after Dudley, which I thought was really stupid on Jimmy Butler's part because it's like, stay out of it, man. You're a guy who kills the Nets, kills the Nets. So Dudley and Butler get both get tossed and the message was sent. And Bede gets called with a flagrant one. And I thought this was the Nets chance because at this point, the Nets are up about seven. And it's a close game, and the Sixers are starting to come back because Embiid's starting to go on a run where they can't stop him. I'm like, okay, good. They got Jimmy Butler out of there. And that's not to say they're going to win the game, but listen, Jared Dudley is a very important team leader, and he can knock down a three here or there. But as far as production is concerned, if Jared Dudley leaves and you get Jimmy Butler out of there as a result, you take that as a win if you're a Net fan. You think that they have a chance now. And then it just became the Joel Embiid show. And there was just nothing they could do to stop him. Redick hit one big three after being ice cold. And they ended up winning that game. The other thing too, and and I love him and I think he's a really good player and, and he might have a case of the yips right now, but Joe Harris is unplayable. And I would say that that loss very much was on him. He missed four wide open threes. That even if he hits one, the entire the entire course of that game changes. They had one where the Nets were up two. Russell finds him on the wing, wide open, and misses it front rim. And it was just, okay, they're not going down. He made three straight to open game one. Hasn't made one since. Yeah, losing Harris. I mean, they were going to lose this series anyways, but not having Harris kind of... He's important to that he's team. He's the leading three-point shooter in the league. Yeah. I And as for the fighting and stuff, I love all of it. I love the playoffs because there's a little bit more intensity and people can act, are going to act like they actually care. And I like the Joel Embiid shit talk. I mean, because at some point, somebody's going to give it right back to him. So right. that's what I like about it. Now, one thing I didn't like, and this was a talking point before we head over to the West, was after the game, Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets, went into the locker room of the officials to voice his displeasure with how this entire series has been refereed. And and I'm not one who gets really upset on calls, especially in basketball. Listen, the 76ers, they're going to get the benefit of the call. Not to say that they're the Warriors and deserve all of them, but they certainly deserve some. They've been at least here before. The Nets haven't. They're the upstart team. You know, you, you live with that. But I thought it was a really poor job on the refs the way that they've policed this series. Because if I hear a guy laughing about giving uh, a blatant elbow to the face of a defender, laughing about it, knowing that it should have been a flagrant two and it wasn't, should have been suspended a game, then laughs about it. It's like, okay, we got to be hypersensitive to this now. Now, Embiid didn't play in game three, but in game four, especially with the shit talking back and forth between Dudley and Simmons, and then obviously Embiid is his own guy, you're going to have... A little bit heightened sensitivity, especially knowing that the Nets are now are playing for their lives, basically, in this series. If you go down 3-1, 
it, it's prob it's basically over. You're right. I agree with you, but at the same time, I've got the Nets and the and the Sixers free throws pulled up here. You want to guess how many? How close it is? How close is it? The Sixers have taken 101 free throws in this series. The Nets have taken 99. So that's pretty damn. Close. Oh no, I'm not saying about like uh, again that like it's the nature of the foul. That was a flagrant two in game two on Embiid. And if he's laughing about it, you got to be a little bit more, hey, this guy, and he has a reputation for doing some dirty shit on the court. Hey, like, just be aware of it. So in that situation, you know, I thought it was right that they that they tossed Butler for getting into it and definitely Dudley deserved to be tossed too. But I think that Embiid deserved to be tossed. I think he deserved to be tossed for the blatant elbow that he threw that was really bad. I don't know about the block, though. Just being that the fact that he... I don't it know. was borderline. He, he he went for the ball, I think. And and he got a lot of body on his way down. Don't get me wrong. Um, what's his name? Hit the floor pretty Allen, hard. Yeah. But, I mean, that was a basketball play. You can justify it either way. And if you're going to justify it either way, tie goes to the runner. It's a 50-50 call. Keep him beating. This is a playoff series. The elbow to the face, I think he should probably have gotten thrown out for that one. Because that's not a basketball play. No. He blatantly made that. He did that. He elbowed him in the face as if I were to elbow you in the face if we're walking down the street. Right. Yeah. Completely caught him off guard. So, yeah. um, but anyway, Marks goes into the locker room of the refs and you can't do that. That's not, you, you just can't do that. And it's been met with different kind of sentiments. The Nets players and Atkinson and the whole team basically was like, yeah, we support it. It's very nice to have a well, GM. What are you going to say? Right. It's nice to have a GM that, you know, goes for his team. And I think, it's an appealing thing for two, but in a different way. I think for incoming free agents, it shows that they have a GM and a coach. It's not like the coach is like, I had no idea he went in. I, I'm sure it was script. I'm sure, you know, Mark said, hey, I'm going to go in there. And Atkinson knew it and the players knew it. So from one, you know, appealing standpoint, maybe to incoming free agents, it's like, wow, they really fight for you here. Right now, Russell said it. Damari Carroll said it. Jared Allen said it. Like, yeah, we know the entire franchise has our backs and supports us, and that's a cool feeling. As a player standpoint, yeah, that might be nice. But as far as looking to get more calls, that's not the way you do it. And if no. you're trying to establish more of the, hey, listen, we're the upstart team on the block. We haven't been here. We're kind of the children in, of this postseason. That's not a good way to get your way next time. That's the way to make it look like, yeah, you're still the children of this postseason. No, go out there and win. What do they play tonight? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow yeah. night. Go out there and get a dub tomorrow night and then lose in game six. six. Yep. But so I, I think from you know the optical standpoint, really bad for for Marx's look in the league, but really good for the way it could look to incoming free agents. 50-50 for me. It could be good or it could be bad. I mean, the guy took a shot. Probably shouldn't have done it, but it Definitely is Definitely shouldn't is. have done it. You can't go into the locker room the other team. But anyway, so that's where we stand in the East. Let's head over to the West. Tom, your pick is you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself right now with the Rockets. You want to know why I feel really good? Because I watched almost all of game six, and that was probably game James Harden's worst game of game his entire six. I'm sorry. I watched all. I was going to say, how do we get there? I watched all of Game Three, and that was probably James Harden's worst game of his entire career. And the Rockets carried him. They they held a steady lead throughout that entire game. Um, Gobert looked really good. He finally woke up, blocked a lot of James Harden's shots, took care of that floater that he threw up a couple times. But 
The Rockets rallied. You can see that these guys that they pulled up off the scrap heap, some of these players like Austin Rivers and whatnot, Kenneth Fareed, they really stepped up. CP3 had a decent game. And then James Harden, after being 0 for 15, only scoring 10 points on free throws, he made a couple big threes when it counted, and, and they got the win. And I'm glad James got that out of his system. Hopefully he wakes back up. We'll have to watch him in Game 4 because they have a huge series coming up with probably the Golden State Warriors because they are up 3-1 on the Los Angeles Clippers right now. Um, glad he got it out of his system, and they're going to be able to rest. Yeah, it's been an impressive showing by the Rockets. And, and again, I kind of mocked you. They're playing you. like a championship team right now. Yeah, I kind of mocked you last week just simply due to the fact that, listen. You can still mock because we expect them to win this series. I, that's, more where, that's more where I'm coming from. And it wasn't even a sweep. Listen, if they won 4-1, I think even 4-2, I wouldn't have taken that much from it because – this is a team that was up 3-1 in the Western Finals last year, and I did not think that they would have an issue with the Utah Jazz. Again, in a best of seven in the NBA playoffs. The best team wins. The best team wins, but also a 4-2. Like, I think we get caught up because that means if a team gets two wins, it's probably 2-1 or 2-2 at some point or 3-2, and you can say it was a close series. But I, th- I always hearken back to that 2016 Eastern Conference Final between the Raptors and the uh, and the Cavs when the Cavs won 4-2 and it was they were up 2-0 and then the Raptors won the next two games at home. And I was just like, I never, ever, ever got a sense that the Raptors were going to win that series. That was back to your gutless era of the Raptors, if we want to call it that. that hey, listen, the they side. have not completely shed that for me yet. So they're playing the Magic. They're the two seed, the Magic, or the seven. Again, to me, that's a series I shouldn't have to think about if I'm talking about an upper echelon team. Same thing with the Rockets. But listen, it has been impressive the way they've done it. I can't take anything away from them. For me, it's just show me later. And mm-hmm. But right now, handle business, and they certainly are. You I agree with the, you. You mentioned the Warriors and Clippers. What are you taking from that series right now, man, as the Warriors are up 3-1? Warriors are going to go back to the, well, next round for me. But I was just going to say, you're, you're, you're not hedging your bet right now, are you? No, they're the much better team. Um, and, I mean, I think they look pretty good, even without Boogie Cousins. But I see this team, I see the flaws, and I can see them collapsing against a better team. That's all I have to say. I just don't know if there is a better team. I think you I do, think but a better, I don't. More locked in team, no, and that's fine. And that, I have my concerns totally too, by the way. I mean, I, I just see this team as not being as locked in as they have been the last few years. Period. Yeah, there's something missing. There's that cohesiveness yep. that's just not there. And, and the reason I picked them is just simply because they are the most talented team. And I, I expect whoever they play, as I pick them to get to the finals. I did pick them to win, but I believe I had. I, ha- I believe I had it a six or seven game series. And the reason being is I don't think they're as dominant. And also I think the team out of the East is better than the Cavs have been the last two years. But this series has shown a couple things to me. One, Kevin Durant's the best player right now in the playoffs. And I know there's Giannis and I know there's Harden. And I know there's a couple other really good players but right now, but I would say Durant because after game two, when they blew that 31 point lead at home and he got thrown out and he got tossed Beverly was kind of living in his head a little bit. And I I said it last week. What the hell are you doing? You're Kevin Durant. You're 30 years old at this point in your career. You shouldn't even be entertaining these things. Patrick Beverly is literally only in there and guarding you to piss you off. Don't let him do it. Games three and four, he puts on vintage KD performances. You know, Steve Kerr said, shoot it more, score it more. You're going to be our go-to guy. And he's just like, yeah, okay. 
I'll do whatever coach asked me to do. Sometimes he can be a little more passive. Obviously, there's a lot of guys on this team. Yesterday, that was the Clay Thompson show to me, even though Durant had 38. I think that this Warrior team, even without Cousins, they're still the team to beat because they can come at you from so many different ways. You know, if Curry's hot, game's over. If KD does what he's done the last two games, game's over. If obviously Clay is, is I mean, I think he made his first five threes yesterday. If he's doing that, game's over. You know, Bo gets back to being that pain in the ass and that tough, you know, he had eight, eight points and 10 boards yesterday in very limited time. He's capable of doing that. I could see him giving Capella some issues because that's what he's in there for, you know. But um, as far as from this series, what I'm taking, the LA Clippers are really fun. And even though there's a lot of guys on this team now who probably won't be on the roster next year, they have created a culture. They absolutely are a fun team with Balmer running the show as the owner, with Doc, who's now only has to worry about They've head coaching. They've got it figured out. That's a team where you can see something's building in LA, and they're not toxic. They're very well run. And uh, Staples Center was packed for those two games. And it was starting to kind of, you got kind of a sense that much like, you know, the Nets who, although made the playoffs their first two years in Brooklyn, it never really felt like a homegrown or like the city adopted them yet. It was very much kind of hired gun. What are we? And that Clippers era of the, you know, Lob City kind of felt that same way. It just, it was a very fun team, but it didn't feel like it was a natural team. This feels like a natural team and yeah. a natural situation that's developed there. So that's what I'm taking from that series. All right, Tom, you need to explain this one to me because I can't. I I don't understand. The Trailblazers are up three one on Oklahoma City, and brutally honest, it hasn't been close. No, and I mean the thing that you take away from this is the single rivalry between the two zeros out there. Number zero, Russell Westbrook, and number zero, Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's better right now by far, better player. Better passer, more aggressive all the time. Russell Westbrook is aggressive once every few games, and he's just a better player. His aggressiveness period. is kind of uncontrolled, too. Lillard seems controlled. When, when he's being aggressive, exactly. Lillard knows exactly what he's doing every second that he's out there, and I, I can't explain it. If you were to rank the top players, it'd probably be, you know, number one, I guess you would take Dame Lillard. Then, Or actually, no. Number one, you'd take a healthy Paul George. Then Dame Lillard, then Russ, then Steven Adams, probably then CJ McCollum, then the rest of the Thunder, then the rest of the Trailblazers. Yeah. This team is far more talented. They're, they are spending far more money. But, I mean, again, this is the third year in a row that you're going out in the first round. You've won two playoff games in the last three years. Not good. Well, I'll tell you this Paul George is clearly hurt. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got that tape on his shoulder, and he, all his shots are short. He looks a step slow. He looks like he's kind of wavering on his decisions out there. And Westbrook looks three out of the four games so far, except for the game that he took over, the game that they won. He he looks passive. I think his aggressiveness is a, is an issue for him. Yeah, I, I just think he doesn't really know what to do out there. He like, can't control Dame, it. Like I said, Dame and other guys out there know exactly what to do on every single play, and he doesn't. Nope. And he's either all in on deferring or all in on not. Yeah, that's a good point. He absolutely is. And, you know, prior to this series, when we did our playoff predictions, we both said, you know, the Thunder are a team that's built for the playoffs and the Blazers are a team that's built for the regular season. And with the exception of game three, it's been anything but. 
The Blazers have looked really good. You know, credit, of course, to Dame Lillard. And I think this is a team that, let me throw this out here to you. If you're the GM of the Thunder, do you entertain the thought of trading Westbrook? I do, but I don't know if you're going to get equal value for the guy. It's not about equal value. To me, it's more breaking up the culture that's there because clearly it's not working. I think Adams is going to be gone after this year. I just don't think that they're going to trade PG3, PG13 or whatever number he wears now. Or um, I don't Westbrook. think that, I don't think they would trade George because he literally just signed and he's and when healthy he clearly proved that he's the a tough top part five about Westbrook is is he is a tremendous talent but I don't think I, I don't think know, this, if the Lakers like, if Rob Palenka or whoever the GM is for the Lakers calls you up and offers Lonzo Kuzma in their first round pick and, I think and, you've got to do it oh pull the trigger in a heartbeat I just don't know if the Lakers the will. tough thing about Westbrook, especially to those fans in OKC, is you know he's the one that stayed, and obviously not Harden's fault. But Harden's turned into an MVP. Durant left to go play for at that time their number one rival, and he was already an MVP. Yep, and then the only one that didn't abandon them when a lot of people thought he was going to go straight to LA was Westbrook. But I think it's safe to say that they've hit their peak as far as where Westbrook is going to take them. I think Westbrook would be better suited as a as a two guy, as a guy who kind of a Kyrie Irving on the Cavs, where when I need you to do everything, you can do it all, but I need you to be more my sidekick so you I can don't think do he's that. nearly the kind of shooter no, but or distributor that Kyrie is. But he can score at will, especially with a guy like LeBron that brings the best out of seemingly every single You know player. what, you say that, but I don't know if that's true. Because when Kyrie is on, he can't miss from anywhere on the floor. Westbrook has moments where he can't buy a shot. Yeah, you're and, right. I mean, last night, he was bricking wide open pull-up jump shots, threes in the corner, couldn't hit him. When he, score, when he can, you know, he's hitting them, he's, he's dominant. And that's why oh. I think his, his triple-doubles is such a fabricated stat because he can easily get those and because he's such a high-max energy guy that he can get a lot of rebounds and, and steals simply – you know, on his own accord, he can score 10 points. Well, I think on a team with the spacing with a guy like LeBron, he's going to have a lot easier of a time. And he is a good playmaker when he wants to be. And being able to cut more and and do things like that and slash with a guy like LeBron handling the ball, I think that'd be really interesting. Not to mention when LeBron cuts and slashes, that'd be really interesting as well. But I mean, I think it's really a pipe dream. I think he's there to stay in Oklahoma. State. I do too. I was just I think more if they get rid of anybody, hypothetically. If they get rid of anybody. It's Adams because that's $24 million next year on the cap. It's a lot. That's a lot for a big man that in this day's NBA, unless you're playing the Sixers, you really are, don't have to have a big man to neutralize their big man. I mean, you need a guy that you need a guy kind of like an Al Horford type or a, uh, what's his name? Is it Jared Allen? On who? The, on the on the Nets. Uh, yeah, Jared Allen. You're is talking his about name? the the center. Yeah, okay. that's his name, right? Yeah, Jared. Yeah, with a J. Yeah, there, there you it go. is. Okay, see names good there. Um, well done. I think there was another Jared Allen. I feel like there was another Jared Allen in another league. Jared was it Dudley? No, was it the he played like defensive end for Josh the Vikings? Allen. Oh, yeah, Jared Allen from the Vikings. The white guy yeah, with the yep. long hair. Yep. He did a retirement speech Who's where he rode a horse off into the Yeah, now he's, the on a, now he's on the U.S. curling team. Oh, good for him. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Good call. All right, well, that, was a, nice, names. that was a nice little tangent. That tangent was brought to you by SorrySports.com. <laughs> 
<laughs> but back to it. You need a center that can that can guard all five positions and stay in front of a point guard. And Steven Adams is not going to do that. Now he's statuesque. Exactly. So I, I don't know how they're going to move him. I just don't see them moving Westbrook. I don't know what this this team is stuck. No, I didn't think they would. My my question to you is was should they? It yeah, they should, should they but they yeah, won't. But they won't. Uh, but let's move on to the final series because that one's all but wrapped up. I'm I'm as surprised all as you are. All but wrapped about up. It's two two. No, I'm talking about the Thunder series. It's, yeah, we it's just three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Sean. I fucking wake up. I thought, I thought you were talking it. about. Let's move on to the next series. That's all but wrapped up. I'm about to. I'm about to fire you. Um, the Spurs Don't and Nuggets. The Spurs and Nuggets are not all but wrapped up. That is a series tied at two two. Throw your hands up. Tell me who's I. That's what's that. That's what I'm doing because I don't know where this series is gonna go. I picked the Nuggets to win the series in seven, and you knew that I was. I really wanted to go Spurs, and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I don't know. I think I'm throwing nuggets, my hands up. I don't know. I think the Nuggets are gonna go in seven. I said six to start off with the Nuggets. I'm sticking with the Nuggets. Jamal Murray plays like this. Millsap too. They're a dangerous team, but they don't have an answer. But they don't play like that that often. No, they don't, and they don't have an answer. For Lamarcus Aldridge at all, but you know what you got to do? You got to let Lamarcus get his and worry about Demar Derozan. That's what you have to do. If you can neutralize Demar Derozan, which he's an All Star, but you can, it, you're, it's definitely doable with the pieces that you. Well, have they did on the other team. day. He got tossed. Ex- well, he, he yeah, got all frustrated. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Then I think you can win this series. So I'm gonna go Nuggets in seven. I already did, so, so I'm not you're going stick back with on Nuggets that. In yeah. seven. Shout out to the Spurs. Really good job. Good coaching job by uh, who's that guy down there? Oh, Never I heard think he's the, a new guy, right? Yeah, uh, Popovich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, only a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best coaches in NBA history. Uh, we expected it to be a series, literally, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm flipping a coin. I, I don't know. I'm just riding with the Nuggets because I picked them, and I think seven games is how it's going to be decided. The only really good first round series of all of them, and this just speaks to why the NBA needs to do a best of five. I know they won't because it takes money out of the pockets of the owners. The but NBA also needs to redo their seating too. Yeah, top, I mean they they top need sixteen. They need to do a lot of different things because I, I'm. I mean, look, the Celtics sweep the Bucks, Pistons. Even Raptors, Magic, 76ers, Nets has become kind of a joke, although it's been entertaining. I put the 76ers, Nets, and the Warriors, Clippers in the same one. You know, you clearly know who the better team is, but it's kind of fun watching the Nets, and it's kind of fun watching the Clippers, which is what I wrote about in my article, look back on sorrysports.com. I, I wrote that two weeks ago. But all the other series, yeah, you know, you've got the rivalry between Dame and, and Westbrook, but that series has not really been close. And then you've got the Spurs and Nuggets, which is the only one that has been. And the two teams have been pretty even. Baseball time. All right, let's lock back in. Jesus Christ. All right. Yankees, let's start with the good news because there's not a lot of it, but let's they start with the good news. They did what we wanted. They went 6-3 and three on a homestand in which they started 1-2. and two. They lost 2-3 to the White Sox. Obviously, we talked about that last week. But since then, they swept Boston in a mini two-game set. Paxton dominated in an eight eight nothing win uh, Tuesday, and then Brett Gardner plays the role of hero, hitting a grand slam in the seventh to put them up. In that game, I took away from Pack or uh, from Hap. It looked like he was going to have another dud. He rebounded after giving up three runs in the first Good two job innings. Rallying. Way to rally. Yeah, he 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 just changed his he changed his entire way of pitching that game. Made uh, you know on the fly and shut down the Red Sox into the seventh. Bullpen held its own. Gardner was able to hit the grand slam. It was the first time this Red Sox bullpen has cracked, even though we believe that's going to be the weakness of this team. And then 
the Royals come in and all that momentum from the Red Sox series was done. They lose in a game. They get six hit. Um, just a really bad performance by the offense. Friday, they take care of business. CC pitches another game. So far, he's pitched 10 total innings. He has not given up an un- a-, a earned run. Um, and then Saturday, as we're recording, we're watching the Yankees kill him. And then we find out Aaron Judge leaves the game with what is being called a significant oblique strain. Yeah, you told me that, and that was right after we finished up that three-hour pod, and I thought you were going to start crying in the car when you were driving me back to my car. I was I thought we were going to have to pull over, and I was going to have to give you a hug or something. He was the one guy that you said they couldn't lose. With all of these going down, I mean, you lose Stanton, who's you know an MVP kind of player. Obviously, Hicks and Severino didn't even get out of spring training. Neither did Batances. You know, Didi and Montgomery were out anyway. Then as the season starts, you lose, you know, I guess you could say you lose Bird, but then you lose Tulowitzki, you lose Andujar. I mean, this team is just getting destroyed. Sanchez on the DL for a bit, and he's, he's coming, and obviously Stanton. But now you lose Judge. And we saw what happened to this team last year when Judge went down for those six weeks. And, and now, this is going to be And 10. that was at least they still had, yeah, they're saying he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. They were looking at like an 8 to 10 to 12 week absence. So let's say 12 because yeah. that's how it usually goes. Yeah. Um, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. They won that game going away. Now, yesterday that's was three months. Yeah. Losing an MVP kind of player. I picked him to win MVP this year, and obviously that's not going to happen. Now, let me say this. Clint Frazier. Oh, he's been amazing. Tearing the cover off the ball. And I am I I told you he's my guy this year. Mm -hmm. He is my guy. And he's gonna break my heart. I promise you he will. He's gonna get hurt. (laughs) Don't say that. He is gonna break my fucking heart. Well, yesterday what happens is they're up five nothing in a game that Paxton strikes out twelve again. Two straight starts of twelve strikeouts and shutout innings. They're up five nothing. They're coasting. They score one run in the first, one run in the second. Frazier hits a three-run bomb to left center. It looks like it's gonna they're gonna run they're gonna win running away. And then the eighth inning comes. Chad Green needs to go down to Scranton and figure his shit out. He has options left because if you can't pitch him in that game, I don't know what kind of game you can pitch him in. Loads the bases, gets taken out. Canely gives up a double, two runs in, then gives up a three-run homer, game tied. And then gives up another solo shot, the next batter. All of a sudden, it's 6-5 Royals. Now, this is a Yankee lineup that looked like it was going to be playing a split squad game in Fort Myers. I mean, you had LeMahieu leading off. You had Gardner hitting third. Voight hitting second. Frazier hitting fourth. Then you had guys like, I mean, Mike Ford, Mike Talkman. Who were they? Tyler Wade. Who the it hell was are they? <laughs> exactly. Romine, who ended up being the hero, but Jesus Christ. So they're down 6-5 now. And I thought the game was over. I know the Royals' bullpen is terrible and they're a bad team, but I'm like, I just don't know in this on this team who can score a run. Talkman leads off with a double. Awesome. He doesn't get advanced, but then Romine with two outs, singles through the left side, ties the game. Chapman comes in in the in the uh in the ninth, gets out of a jam. Um Yankees don't score in the ninth. Heading into the 10th, Britain pitches a shutout inning. We're good. And then Romine hits a walk-off single after the Yankees put set guys on second and third. They win. Great 
really good win. Very unnecessarily exciting win. Win's a win. But a win is a win, and at this point, you take them for however you can. Because right now, they're 11-10, and 10, and they're literally fielding a triple-A team. And some of those triple-A players aren't even great triple-A players. So... It's pretty crazy to think about it. Anyway, that's where we're at from the Yankees. They're starting a West Coast swing. Boone did get thrown out, which we were begging for. Yeah, that was actually nice. And that was on a Glaber Torres sure home run that for some reason was deemed that it was not conclusive, that it would have been a home run. A fan reached over the wall, didn't reach over the wall. That was a home run. And Boone, you know, let him have it. And that was that was good. That was organic. He was obviously pissed. Seemed to galvanize the team because even after that was taken away, they scored a couple runs and they won that game very easily on Saturday afternoon. Yankees start a West Coast trip. They're four out in Anaheim. Anaheim's not a good team, but right now if you take a split out there, that's good. Then you play the San Francisco Giants, another not great team. See how you do there. And then you play two against the Diamondbacks before coming back home to play the Twins, uh, Mariners, and Rays. Speaking of the Rays, Red Sox just went down there and swept them. And that was impressive to me because the Red Sox could not have looked worse after losing two straight to the Yanks. Sale was terrible. Evaldi had just gotten placed on the DL. And they go down to Tampa and sweep a really good Tampa team. Impressive job by them. What do you think? I mean, I'm just happy that they're holding Tampa Bay back. I'm happy about that because I want to keep this division as close as possible to see if the Yankees can ever get healthy. I'm going to talk about more off the field stuff. With Valdi going down, I think maybe they take a look at Keuchel in Boston. It depends how long he's out. I think. They're, yeah. Well, I just. I read, think anytime there's a starting surgery. pitching injury. Oh, Valdi's having surgery. Oh, is he really? Yeah, yeah. he's got um, loose body in the elbow, right? Yep, and he's yeah. having surgery, so that's going to be. I mean, I don't think he'll be out for the year, but that's going to be a multiple month recovery. Um, the Yankees went ahead and signed Logan Morrison as well as uh, yep. Brad Miller, yep. the infielder. So those are little, two guys. A little that, depth piece. Yeah, those are two guys that have had some success in the big leagues. Both can hit. One can hit for power. One can hit for average. So, I mean, I'm not happy about it because that just means how hurt the Yankees are. But maybe those guys can come up and light a fire. I don't know. Yeah, listen, I mean, they're major leaguers. We'll see how good they are at this point and even if they get called up. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're more depth pieces. And at this point in the game, I mean, that's really all you can look at. Now, DeGrom, this news broke Friday. His elbow was quote-unquote barking. He was going to get an MRI and told the Mets, no, not getting an MRI. Hmm. Well, you know, he's going to do – he owns that team now. I, Syndergaard does the same thing, and it fucking kills me because I remember he did that a year or two ago. And I mean, the, uh, you could at least say with the Yankees that if they tell you you're going to get an MRI, you bet your ass you're going to get an MRI. Yeah, and DeGrom's pitching tonight against the Marlins if they play. And we're going to see if this holds up. He had, he had gotten shelled in his previous two starts, three starts actually, which obviously doesn't happen. And listen, if, if I'm the Mets, I'm and, – and listen, I do not want to see Jacob DeGrom get hurt. Jacob DeGrom is great for baseball. As a guy who loves and appreciates pitching, Jacob DeGrom is the most fun guy to watch. I, I always love watching his highlights. He is that dominant. He's the personality. He's great. He's great for the sport. He really is. But what this just fuels my argument again. Why did you have to sign him now? You know, Sale's getting hit around for Boston. But you can make the argument they did have to sign him. Because this is his last year. So are you going to let him hit the open market? Are you going to not sign him? Like, that's a tough position to be in. The Mets had next year too. You didn't have to sign him. I'm not going to run through this whole thing again. 
But if he gets hurt, don't you think they'd think twice heading into next year about extending him? And this is not, you know, anti-Met Yankee fanboy. I mean, it doesn't look worse than what the Yankees did this offseason. They gave Severino and Aaron Hicks extensions, and they're both hurt. And they both, God knows when they're playing again. But you know what? They gave Severino four years, $40 million. That's not a lot of money. They gave Aaron Hicks seven years, $70 million. For that kind of player, that's not a lot of money. Mets gave Jacob DeGrom $135 million. It's a lot of money. The other thing we know with the Yankees is they can absorb that, a la Jacoby Ellsbury, Carl Pavano. We can run down the line. The Mets don't spend money. If Jacob DeGrom, God forbid, is hurt, they're not getting out from under this. No, it's tough. And I mean, again, I don't have to say anything. They just field the fire of your argument. I mean, I don't know who you're arguing with. Maybe it's their general manager. A lot of people, a lot of their fans. It was a fan driven thing. And 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 not only the fans, but you know, highly respected baseball people saying, get this done. You know, Syndergaard saying, get this done. Don't listen. And you know, the people are saying, Oh, well, you know, it was going to be a distraction all year. Why? Why is it a distraction? Don't let the players tell you what they're what you have to do yeah, for they the other settled players for what 25 million in arbitration something like yeah. that and you know what you squash it you say listen we want jacob Degrom. he has two years left on his contract we're gonna talk about it after the season it's not a distraction to us he's a new york met we are very happy to have him here and we have goals of signing him long term but we're not gonna do it in season and we're gonna wait till the winter i think that's a very easy way to do it but again that's not how the mets operate no, not at all. So let's hope this injury, because I root for the Mets. I'm sure you do too. Listen, it's better let's, for the city when the Mets are good. Obviously, you know, we, we're in the New York market, but it, it's great for baseball if Jacob deGrom is healthy. He's let's hope that this injury is... One of the most is, fun pitchers to look at. Let's hope that this play. barking elbow is nothing more than a barking elbow. Yep. Especially because he didn't go for an MRI, stupidly. So let's talk a little college basketball Tom, before we move floor, on man. to... Uh, Move on to Thrones porn. This is going to be quick because they hired the former Arkansas... Who did that, Tom? Who? Who who hired him? St. John's Red Storm. Okay. They. Yeah. The St. John's Red Storm. Oh, I'm sorry. Were we supposed to just know that who it was? Well, I said we we're going to talk a little NCAA. Stop. Fuck off. So they hired the um, the former Arkansas. And what was the other college that he coached at? UAB. Remember. UAB um, head coach. His name is, I believe it is Mike, Mike Anderson. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say about this, because I don't really know how I feel, and I listened to that booster talk on Francesa's, um, on Francesa's podcast, actually. Shout out to Mike Francesa. I mean, he's doing the same thing as us now. Wish you the best, buddy. No, no, no. That was, that was on his radio show. They well, it was on a it. podcast, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but that guy was not happy. And he's the inventor of vitamin water, or the, the and, co-founder, and, as well as body armor, worth over a billion dollars, and... He went to St. John's, proud alum, fist pump. Um, he was just really livid. I don't know what he thinks about this hire, but the one thing I will stay, say is the two guys that were going to enter in the transfer pool, LJ Figueroa as well as Mustafa Heron, who's going to be the two best players on this team, they were at that press conference. And that's all that matters to me if, if you hold on to those guys and the four-star recruit that they got coming in this year. So good start for Mike Anderson. He better have people who... No New York basketball because this guy does not know the New York media. He doesn't know the New York market. Well, you know, I wanted the Iona guy. You know who I really want. No, of course. It's like Rick. Yeah. Who looks now like he might be going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be pretty funny. Hey, he can't get in trouble for paying guys there. True. Um, 
But no, I I think that he better Mike Mike Anderson better have guys that he knows and trusts in this area to pluck talent well, pool from New Jersey, the, New York, Pennsylvania. If you listen to that podcast, it's not even the head coach. I mean, um, Mullen went in there and got Slice Robinson, who who was a recruiter for Kentucky. You saw what Kentucky did for the last fifteen years, and the guy got paid like. Five million dollars a year, or something like that, and they they ran him out. It here's, wasn't Mullen's here's the, fault. Here's the it's difference. the administration's fault. Here's the difference: the administration, for sure. And, and you know what? Shout out to Chris Mullen, buddy. I, I didn't know all this till I did my research, but thank you for trying. Well, the tough part is, is they don't have. You know, you're talking about, you know, recruiting, and you're getting a guy from Kentucky. It's a big difference between trying to recruit from Kentucky to to Queens. But no, the, the, but the thing is, when you're a recruiter at that high of a level, you're getting the best players from all over the country. I understand that, but you're recruiting them to go to Kentucky. Kentucky is a top-tier college basketball. Some would argue the top-tier college basketball program, right up there with Duke and Carolina and Kansas. But they weren't that until, until Slice and um, Calipari got there. Excuse they were me. down for a while. I know, but they're never, they're like the Yankees. They're like, the, you know, they're never truly down. I agree with you, but uh, but he should have at least made this team because, a you know solid. What? Calipari, you get him in there, because they can blow any other offer out of the water if they want a top coach. St. John's can't. Kentucky is an institution of college basketball. St. John's is not. And I know that they had their run in the 80s, obviously, but now they're not. You can't put them in the same breath as Kentucky. So even yeah, if but- you get a recruiter, you know, I mean, how many times have we seen even in top basketball? I mean, you say you got you got a guy like Phil Jackson coming into New York or Magic Johnson into L.A. Listen, these guys are coaches. They know how to coach or they know how to be personalities. They don't know how to evaluate talent and then get that talent and put it on a basketball court and make it work. Yeah, he could have a meeting with one of the top recruits in the country or even in the New York area. But if he has an opportunity to go to Duke or UCLA, who's also down, but Kentucky, that's going to be very easy. To get them to go to Queens in a Catholic school and a program that's been down for the better part of two decades now is not that easy. No, and I don't expect to get these blue chip guys, but I expect to be in the tournament every single year. You know, and that's bottom and, line. Yeah, and as a UConn fan, you know, like I, I, I love the Danny Hurley hire because the name Hurley carries a lot of positivity. In I the, would have loved Bobby yeah, Hurley. Right. It, I would have loved him from Arizona State. Yeah. The guy's making 2.5 in Arizona. Throw the guy four. Come on. Right. I'll, I'll throw a little more money. I'll, well, I'll and it sounds like that because I listened to that that excerpt from the pod too, and, and it sounds like they're more than willing. Some of the more prominent guys, for, boosters for the program, would be happy to send to to send money to make that happen. I mean, at UConn, UConn's had a lot of success, but they're really down right now. And last year at this time, it really mattered who they hired because it, they could have either gone back up. You can see this year, even though they didn't have a lot of talent, that Hurley has the guys playing a certain way and he has a lot of positive energy and his name is very is very important in college basketball. And I believe that he's going to turn UConn around and make UConn a really good program again. I don't think Mike Anderson will at St. John's. You hope for, for God's sakes that he does. You know, Mullen had obviously the tie to the university as being a great player for them with the best in, in, in right up there with Mark Jackson. Um, as far as, uh, no, he was better than Mike, for, Mark Jackson, former guy. But what I'm saying is they both had very good NBA careers. Not now you've got a situation where, 
this guy's from the South. He doesn't have any connections to this program. So maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. You just got to hope for it, you know? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have minded if they got a cheater in there, but it is what it is. Let's just, he held on to the transfers or the uh, guys that were looking to transfer. It seems like he's going to be able to hold on to them. That's a start. And I will take that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all right. really all you can do. So let's move on to our last segment. And that is episode two of Thrones porn. So Thrones premiered last night. From what I was told, there was a little more action and a massive cliffhanger at the end from my experts. Not as much dialogue as the first one. So what did you think of the episode? Oh, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I was totally riveted. Me too. Everybody it out was there, on? If you don't... Yeah, it was on last night. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I yeah. must have missed it. Oh. Along with the rest of the series. Yeah, me too. But, you know, everybody out there, if you don't watch Thrones, then honestly... You guys should just get rid of your TV, cancel your cable package, cancel running water, electricity. Wait, just wait, wait. Now, a... now, 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 wait a minute. We, we convinced them last time that they were no, good. You now you're what? telling no. them it's all gone? How about this? You go buy a refrigerator, you get rid of the refrigerator, and you live out of the refrigerator box, okay? Wow. Strong. Yes. So that was Thrones Porn. That's brought to you by at Sorry Sports on Twitter. Uh, we will be back. Brought to you by the Twitter page on this one. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm trying Are you to get looking those forward to next week? What's next week? The next episode of Thrones? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can't wait. Thrones porn is my favorite segment. It's a good one. I, I, I still like our football picks. But well, I've got a really big... I still think, we still I still think you know Sperm what? Bank is one of the best ones, but... Oh, Sperm Bank is big time, and that will be that will be prominently returning. I'm ready. I already have a bet planned for you next year for if I win, and we have not done my bet yet. We haven't done it yet. And now me jumping in a lake or whatever, I'm fine. You know, we it. can just do it next year, too, in the start of in next season. It can but, carry over. The yeah, bet can carry over. I think... Because we're not going to have a decision. We're not going to have our results until next January. Well, so no, what about next last year? year's? We no, what I'm saying is we can just do it next year, where we can just do it this coming winter. True, yeah, let's do it this coming winter, and then, yeah. I mean, I'm, I've already got my bet ready for you, that for, or if you lose. I'm looking forward to it, I, I won't. I can't wait for it, but we will be returning. I'll be just fine. <laughs> we will be returning either later in the week or next week. Uh, we'll tweet out this episode and everything else. Look forward to the draft, look forward to having Mike back on, and look out for that draft uh, first-round preview as well, guys. Have a good week. Take care.